0: Today we're going to continue our series, Genuine Christianity, and we're going to talk about the foundation. 1 Corinthians, as we've been going through Acts on 1 Corinthians, uh, the the big joke was that um, the one Wednesday night we got together and I said, I started reading something from the book of Acts and everybody looked puzzled. We were supposed to be reading from Uh, 1 Corinthians, and they stopped me, and they said, where are you reading? (laughs) Anyway, 1 Corinthians, written by the Apostle Paul, 53 to 54 AD. On his second missionary journey, he had attended uh, Corinth, but at this time is in Ephesus. Word gets back to him that there is trouble in the church. Major problems. With the church. There were divisions in the church. There were moral failures in the church. They were abusing the Lord's Supper, and marriage was a major issue. So, when Paul writes this today, that has to be one of the major points. One of the major points that Paul wants to lay here is a foundation. And let me say right up front, the church has to be built on a foundation. And it depends on what that foundation is. And as we'll read that the day will reveal what the foundation of the church was built on. And so if we look at this this morning, we want to look at we build on Christ and we look first and foremost at the foundation. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid which is Christ Jesus. Paul chooses his words very carefully here. Christ is the word uh, for divinity, but also the humanity, Christ Jesus. He's divine yet human. Some were trying to lay the foundations uh, if you look at verses 3, 5 through 9. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? servants whom you believe. As the Lord assigned, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. So neither he knew who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The main problem at the, well, one of the main problems in Corinth was that they were picking favorite pastors. I follow Apollos, I follow Paul. And Paul says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Each pastor has his own gift. But it's God who gives the growth. This is not about the pastor. This is not about the deacons. This is not about some uh, get-quick-rich scheme in the church. The Apostle Paul says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. And then qualifies it. It is Jesus Christ. Warren Wiersbe, one of the great expositors of our day wrote this, in more than 30 years of ministry, I've seen churches try to build on a famous preacher, a special method or a doctrinal emphasis they felt was important, but these ministries simply do not last. When I think of this, I think of Charles Spurgeon's church, which is practically empty. In the day, Charles Spurgeon had a large congregation It makes you wonder, were they building their church on Charles Spurgeon? Not that Spurgeon was encouraging that, but did the congregation do that? This church is not built around me. This church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It is him and him crucified. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2 says this, and this is Paul speaking. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, although Paul could have. He was highly educated. He didn't do that. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The central focus, the central foundation of the church is Jesus Christ and nothing else. If the church is not built, and I see this a lot, I see this a lot in mega, mega churches, and Newt Larson and I have talked about this, and Newt Larson can rightfully talk about it because he pastored an 18,000-member church. Actually, in now, three different locations. I just researched it. Newt Larson said... Of that 18,000, most simply came to hear him preach on Sunday. When Newt Larson left and the next pastor came in, Paul Sortarelli, I knew Paul. They reacted negatively towards him, and the chapel attendance started going down. The real danger in church is to try to build something On someone or something we must remember that the church's foundation is Jesus Christ he is the foundation on which we build and when we think about this we think about the cross that is we're going to celebrate this coming up soon and I'll be talking with the praise team but we're going to be talking about Good Friday Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay for your sin and mine he died on that cross the story doesn't end there he was buried and he rose again and he lives at the right hand of the father this is not a dead body this is not a dead building when it is filled with the people of God we are based on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ who is living and reigning right now, and he is the one that gets the glory and the honor and the praise. Nobody else, nothing else, Jesus Christ and him alone. And so when we think about what we build on, and not only for a church, but for our own lives. Now the question is, as Paul writes, and and I would I would encourage you, to come on Wednesday nights, we're, we're maybe halfway through the book, but you can still come and, and learn. So we have this foundation. And Paul just said, for no one can lay a foundation other than what is which has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation that will be tested. That's going to be tested. Not only is the church going to be tested, a foundation, but you and I are going to be tested. And he goes into it right here. Now, if anyone, now we know there are four classes of if statements. This is called a first class conditional statement in the Greek. We say, what does that mean? Well, in the first class conditional, it assumes that the statement is true. So we read it this way. It is assumed that to be true that anyone that builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. Let's stop there. We look at this materials that the Apostle Paul lays out for us. On one side of the ledger, you have gold, silver, and precious stones. On the other side of the ledger, you have wood, hay, and straw. Now, just a quick look at these materials in which you can build the ministry and even build your life on. On this side, you have gold, silver, and precious stones. They are enduring, they are beautiful, they are valuable, and they are hard to obtain, at least in the culture in which Paul wrote. So Paul's saying there's a right way, a beautiful way, a godly way to lay a foundation or to build upon that foundation. And I I I get it. I like church programs too, but programs do not win people to Christ. Jesus wins people to Christ. He uses you, he uses me. As the church begins to grow and as we begin to share the gospel, which has to be Jesus Christ and him crucified, we begin to see God work. This is not about us, folks. This is about him. And we have to decide in our lives, are we going to follow God or are we not? And sometimes when you look at the wood, hay, and straw burns easily, it's common, it's cheap, and it's easy to obtain. So Paul says, These are the types of things that you can add to the foundation. This has always bothered me. It it just has. And I want to try to be respectful. But in many years of ministry, I have seen people bring their leftovers to church. I don't have need for this microwave anymore, so I'll just give it to the church. Rather than saying, wait a minute, God has laid this on my heart, why don't I go out and buy a new microwave? It's the little things in life that indicate where our priorities are. And so we should always, no matter what it is, I said this a couple of weeks ago, Cleaning the church, that is a vital ministry in this church. Because when visitors come in, they look around and they see a badly kept church. Guess what? They're not coming back. So we need to give God our best. Paul says there's two types of materials you can build on. Gold, silver, precious stones. Or you can build on wood, hay, or straw. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 You yourselves, like living stones, precious, are being built into a spiritual house to be holy, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices, which are acceptable to Jesus Christ. We need to re-examine what we are giving. We need to re-examine our lives, And say, wait a minute. If this is the most central part of my life, what am I going to do in relation to that foundation that will bring glory to Christ? That's a big big question. Something to ponder, something to think about. Now notice what Paul writes still in verse, now we're in verse 13. Each one's work will become manifest For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Paul will go on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to talk about the variety of spiritual gifts. And there's a a grocery list there that the Spirit gives. So what we do here at church, what we do out on the highways and byways of life... Is very, very important. You have to decide, am I going to give God my best at all times? And I, I, I realize there's, there's, we're sinners, we're sinners saved by grace. We're going to make mistakes, but those should be the exception, not the rule. We should try to do the best that we can to project Jesus Christ, the cornerstone in our lives. Each one's work, Paul writes, ergon, we've seen this word before, it refers to workmanship or to quality. There again, Paul's referring referring back to gold, precious stones, and he's wanting us to look at this and say, wait a minute. Each one's work, that means your work, my work, is going to be tested. This high quality. By using the illustration, Paul was confronting us with the question, how are you building your life? Are you building hastily and with perishable materials? Or are you taking your life seriously, building carefully with materials that will last throughout your life and are strong enough to impact not only this present generation, but also the generations to come? quite amazing. We have to think about what we are doing, not only in the foundation, but what we are doing with our lives. So the question is, are you giving God your best? Are you giving God your best? The word manifest, the word manifest refers to something that will be easily known, clear, plain to everyone. When I think about this quality and that it will be known to everyone, I think of a master painter. And actually that looks very similar to the girl that he is painting. Obviously, this man has refined his work and you can see You can see how he has attention to detail in all of the painting. That's because he has developed through the years his talent. And through the years we do a lot of things in our lives and sometimes we need to stop and go, wait a minute, I'm not giving God my best. I'm not giving him my best. And I know, we all veer, we all have moments when life gets on us, problems come. I totally get that. But again, it should be the exception, not the rule in our lives. Give God your best. So that, when it is revealed by fire to uncover, the fire will test it. Dokimazo. Which means to learn the true value of something. When we stand before Christ, and of course the day is the day of judgment. Now here's here's a bit of good news. You will not be judged on your sin. Because Christ has already paid for that on the cross. But what we will be judged on is what we have done with Christ here. And how we lived our lives in relation to the foundation. Did we constantly remember the foundation as we lived our life? That's, a, that's, a, that's what I'm getting from Paul here. Let me give you some practical application here. Thoughts about the test. These are just my thoughts drafted from this sermon. The first one is, does it glorify Christ? Whatever you do, work heartily as unto the Lord. Lord. That means whatever it is, whether when you go to work tomorrow, you have to please your employer, I get that. But how much more productive would you be if you say, today I am going to glorify Christ with my work, and I want to work for Jesus and not my employer. I think productivity would go through the roof. So, the question is, does it glorify Christ? Is it done out of love? Everything that we do should be done ultimately out of love. Love for Christ, love for the world, not loving the things in the world, but our love for the world. And that's why I like Who's Your One. we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in that series. And really, a good series leading up to Easter. It really is, because it refocuses our efforts on reaching one person for Christ. A third thing, is it done from a pure heart? Absolutely. One of the big things is that you, it, it can look good outwardly, but if you did it with an impure motive or some way of, of configuring things to get what you want, that's going to be burned up. Our hearts above everything will be looked at, our motives. Why am I doing what I am doing is a really good question. I learned that from Newt Larson. Why am I doing what I am doing? Because that will reveal the real essence of why you are doing what you are doing. Or was it done from selfish ambition? This is, well, if you go through here and you read 1 Corinthians. Thankfully, I, don't, I didn't pastor 1 Corinthians or the Corinthian church. But it was seriously a mess. A lot of stuff going on. And Paul says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa. We have this foundation. And you need to build on the foundation. If you think of it this way, Christ is the foundation of We are the framework and each part, which our Sunday school class will look at today, each part is a broad picture of the foundation. In some of these mega churches, they are wide, big, but they are not deep spiritually. Most, like Newt Larson told me, most of the people of the 18,000 that, that come to church, he said, on any given Sunday, I have about 100 to 150 that are actually doing something. Out of 18,000. That was the Akron campus. Then they had the Green campus, which I think had another 10, and, and they would go back and forth. Newt would go down. I tell you what, he was preaching a lot of sermons. Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And they did have other pastors on staff that would help pick up. But it was interesting that when Newt preached this, it was always bigger. Because they were worshiping Newt. They weren't worshiping Christ. That's clear. So we build on Christ to receive Christ. Rewards. Look at verse 14. If the work, and this is assuming to be true, if the work, ergon, that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive or she will receive a reward. Minnow is the word survive. And it means to continue to be in existence. So in other words, we have this refining fire on the day that we get judged. It will pass through that fire. And the day is going to reveal if that work was acceptable or not. If it passes through the fire, then you're good. But if it's burned up, and this is... I. I can't say this enough. I can't stress it enough. It really is about the heart and the motives of the heart. This caused me to step back and, wait a minute, why am I doing what I'm doing? I'm doing it because I love Christ. I love the church. I want the people of God to be solid in their faith. I want the people, I want you guys and gals to go out into that world and fulfill the great commission that's why I do what I do. And you will receive a reward. Misos. Misos. A wage or something that is paid back. The good news here is again, and I'll say it, that when you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you mean it, you're going to heaven. That's quite simple. Because Christ is the cornerstone, and he laid the foundation of his sinless life, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection to the Father and the reigning at the right hand of the Father, which gives us power. And when we stumble and when we fall, all the sin is on Christ. So that's the good news that we will reap the benefits Someday, so many have crossed the finish line. In the years that I've pastored, so many wonderful, wonderful saints of God crossed the finish line. Tough to watch, but beautiful knowing that that person went into the presence of Christ. Some people say, well, you shouldn't be sad. Yes, you should. When you lose a loved one, Jesus cried. It's okay to cry. But we don't cry like the world cries. I've met many Christians that have lost loved ones. And yes, there's this this constant sadness, missing the person. But then they start talking about they're in the presence of Christ. And that, that is the best news of all. <laughs> Speaking of Christ as the foundation, I love this. I love this picture. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Back in the day, they would lay the cornerstone first and the whole building would be built on that cornerstone. If the cornerstone was faulty, the building would be faulty. Well, I can tell you this morning, the cornerstone Jesus Christ, the church that he is building is not faulty. It is the correct church. There are tons of religions out there, but Jesus Christ is the only cornerstone by which you can get to heaven, period. You're not gonna get to heaven Sometimes this gets me in trouble, but whatever. The Southern Baptist did not save me. Jesus Christ saved me. The Southern Baptist Church and me being a pastor has nothing to do with my salvation. That day, October 12, 1981, when I trusted in Christ... That was the day that I became a child of God. And by his grace, he's navigated me and I've made some dumb mistakes in my life. Ask for forgiveness of those mistakes and you move on. (laughs) This is the cornerstone. Jesus Christ himself is the cornerstone. And it all comes back to him part of the rewards part of the rewards is how we did in relation to that cornerstone it could be anything it could be the neighbor next door who maybe lost their husband or whatever and their yard is overgrown and you look over and you go I'm going to go mow that lawn and you go over you knock on the door and you do it in the name of Christ that's a ministry don't take anything for it or maybe you, ha- you know a family here in Tolono that is in need of food And you go over there and you just leave a bag of groceries. Don't take credit for it. Do it because we are trying to minister to the community. It's those little things. Those are works that build on the foundation. And you go over there and you go, I don't want any money. I don't want any credit. I'm doing this simply because I love Jesus Christ and he tells me to care about the world around me. Those are the little things that I'm talking about this morning. And it it is connected to the church. When we leave this building, realize that you are still the church. When you go out those doors and you go into the community and somebody asks you uh, uh, about your faith and you tell them, and you say, I go to First Baptist Church in Tolona where this crazy Baptist minister yells every Sunday. You are the church. You represent this body of Christ. And that should propel us to think about how we act in our community. What our, neighbors, what our neighbors need. Look around us. Wake up and see the possibilities of ministry. And then do it all on the foundation and the name of Jesus Christ. That's crucial. That's critical. To receive rewards. We build on Christ to receive rewards. Now, I want to preface that because it sounds like it sounds like the only reason that we're building on Christ is to receive rewards. That's not what I mean. It should be the result of building on Christ will be that we receive rewards. If anyone's work is burned up So in the previous verse, it passes, but in this verse, listen. But if anyone's work, ergon, workmanship, what we've done, how we've lived our lives, the best thing to do is before you do something, in the name of Christ, is stop and go, Lord, I want to do this, not to bring glory to myself, But I want to do this to bring glory to you. Then you could proceed with the task. But if it's burned up, he will suffer loss, or she will suffer loss. Though he or she himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Katakayo this word burned up, katakayo. It means burned to ashes. I don't know what the fire will be like. Will it be a spiritual fire? The fact is Paul uses the word burned to ashes. I don't know about you. I definitely don't wanna make less of this use it as an illustration. The people of Ukraine are living a nightmare. This is the result, and this is one small picture, of the Russian atrocities that are taking place. But I don't think, I think Putin is losing control of this battle. You say, well, pastor, how can you say that? Why well, look at the facts. They are now using dirty bombs, which is actually worse than regular bombs. I know many of you have seen that 14-mile-long convoy Have you noticed that those vehicles are lined up one behind the other? I was in two mechanized infantry divisions and that is not how you line up vehicles. It was called a hasty displacement where the vehicles were staggered so they could not be bombed from the air. They couldn't just take out a whole thing. I'm also hearing, and I followed a lot on this, I'm also hearing that Russian soldiers are surrendering. I'm also hearing that they're puncturing their gas tanks so they cannot advance. Last night I watched a, a, uh, a program about how the Russians have just enough fuel to make it to today. Also, fact, look it up, the Russian soldiers are eating food that has expired. They are now breaking into homes, steal, uh, getting food from the people. So there's hope. There is hope. Please pray for Ukraine. I talked with Nate Adams, the executive director of the Southern Baptist, and uh, the Southern Baptist uh, missionary uh, missionaries are now going to Ukraine. You can also give there. But this is, some of these places, brothers and sisters, are crumbling down. People are losing their homes. Putin's target now is to take the entire Ukraine. If he tries to do that, It's going to take years. I know that you can surround a city, but taking a city and keeping that city is a door-to-door operation. I don't know at what point this is all going to end, but this is not a one-month, two-month thing. And I do believe Putin is losing control of it. That's my take. But here, you see the consequences of that Russian invasion. And this is a small picture of what will happen if our work is burned up. I I really have a burden for the people of Ukraine. I I don't want you to take this wrong Audrey and I have been giving to some organizations uh, reaching out to help the orphans recovering some things pray for them They, they really need it the nuclear reactors that they have taken control of is a strategic move There was a report out yesterday that Putin plans to say, if we invade, he will ignite those nuclear facilities. Then you have a catastrophic event. That also says to me, Putin's getting desperate. Desperate people do desperate things, so pray for them. They'll suffer loss. and Just so real for these people. He will suffer loss, but he will also be saved. This word saved, sozo, has three different meanings in the Greek language. One means to make well, to heal. A second means to rescue from danger. That's absolutely true. But the third option is probably the best to deliver into divine salvation. Here's the good news. Even if everything in your life was done out of impure motives or done to bring glory, glory to you or to me, if it all burns up, praise God we're still saved. And I I know you guys and gals, I know you have good hearts. I'm not worried about you. But it doesn't mean I shouldn't preach it. In case we migrate to the side, get back on the path. Alan Johnson wrote something fantastic. Ill-advised, misdirected Christian ministry will be weighed and found wanting. Those who have, have so constructed will suffer loss of the praise from Christ. I think that would be the biggest. But because salvation is based on grace, not works, they will be saved. Yet as if by the skin of their teeth. What I think here is amazing grace. Isn't salvation wonderful? To know that no matter what happens in my life, no matter how terrible I act, and I don't want to act that way, but at times in my life when I mess up and I sin and I struggle, obviously ask for forgiveness of that, But I do know at the end of the day when the dust settles, I am his child. And I will go to heaven to see my Savior face to face. And so will you, brothers and sisters, so will you. But while we're here in the living body, the goal of the life that I see in at least the last two sermons all ended, but glorify God as we live our Christian lives and as we follow him daily, that our whole purpose in life is to glorify the foundation and to live in such a way as to please him with our lives. I think that's the secret. How are you living for Christ this morning? What's the quality of your work? And remember that we will stand before him and give an account of what we have done.